0: That people have been good to me in business and in life, and I and try and pass that on. It's, it's hugely rewarding and hugely challenging. Uh, so having somebody that, like a, a sounding board, is, um, is invaluable. I think.
1: Hi, my name is John O'Driscoll, and you are very welcome to the Blueprint Podcast. Ask yourself one question. Have you a blueprint for success? Are you doing all you can do to get where you want to be? Join me and my guests each week as we discuss their blueprint for success. This week's guest on the Blueprint Podcast is Ernest Cantlin. Ernest is a restaurateur, an entrepreneur, and a business owner in Cork City. He's a proprietor of Sober Lane and Electric Bar and Restaurants, and a director of Kinsale Gin. Ernest, how's it going? Hey, John. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much for coming on. Your story, I suppose, in the industry, in the in the bar and return industry, uh, starts way back in 06, if I'm not mistaken. When when I was, uh, I think I got to know you initially about three years ago, I remember having a chat to you about uh, you starting off uh, at age 22, uh, borrowing 1.5 million, and it was either a genius move or an insane move. <laughs> 16 years on, it, it obviously has has proven to be the right moves. I would cl- classify you um, as being a, a real entrepreneur insofar as you're willing to back your gut. Um, I think in the industry that you are in, um, you have great vision. And also, you're not afraid to move away from a business that is not working. Um, and I think that they're, they're great characteristics of, of being an entrepreneur. What, what has been your blueprint for success, would you say, since you started um, working for yourself way back in 2006?
0: Yeah, that, that's a good, a good question. Uh, my blueprint for success. I would think my blueprint for success is to do something that you enjoy. And, and I get that that sounds very cliched. Um, and I would say sometimes it's been to my detriment because there's been times when I've had enough on my plate and I, you know, have taken on additional risk or responsibility or debt or whatever it may be um uh, to try things just because it's an opportunity I feel I can't pass and I would enjoy and similarly I have passed on a number of things uh or not kept them going or not explored them further simply because I just didn't enjoy them and um look I suppose that that's a luxury to some extent it, it probably maybe shows a lack of attention or discipline in other ways but I'm lucky enough that the things that I have enjoyed uh have kept me
1: going and there's been more winners than losers but I for, for me, that's an essential part of it. You're operating in an industry that has traditionally a high attritional rate of staff, just by the nature as both the job, working nights and whatnot. And also the restaurant business has probably got one of the highest rates of, you know, failure of any industry out there. But yet Lane and Electric and Cork, in fairness, I think if you go in there any night of the week, there's a crowd in there. They cater for two different groups, I suppose. I think Soberlane, you'd agree, is probably maybe more a student, maybe early 20s kind of vibe. Yeah, definitely more uh, casual,
0: anyway. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And in electric, um, like you could go to electric for, you know, I suppose, a group of friends or dinner with your wife or whatever it might be. How have you been able to kind of create, I suppose, two niches in uh, an industry in Cork? in two pubs that are actually, and, and restaurants that are actually very close together. Has that been a marketing genius move by you and your team or has it just been kind of a natural kind of yeah. evolve? <laughs> uh, I,
0: I suppose Soberlane is, I would say it's an embodiment of my personality, but I I like pubs. I like eating in pubs. I like watching matches in pubs. Uh, I like casual pubs, you know, like um, particularly going with with groups and one that has snugs and corners and you know character so um and i like pub food uh like it would be one of my favorite environments to eat and types of food so i so sober lane is kind of that or that's what I tried to be and it's funny our we we would you're right in saying that we would have a reputation as kind of a, a student or younger person's bar but our our age demographic is is all the way up and i i kind of we pride ourselves on it being a place that somebody from 18 to okay, maybe 80 is a stretch because, you know, it does get a bit louder ever. But mm. but certainly you get, like, say, we get a surprise amount of corporate business because it's it's the right amount of fun, but the grub is decent and yet it's yeah. not crazy altogether. You know, so, you can you know, the boss is comfortable and the team are comfortable, to whatever. Uh, I think, and um, things like sports try to make it a very good place to watch sports. I think there's something like 14 TVs and at the same time, once the sport is over, the TVs go off. You know, like, yes, yeah. um, I, I think there's nothing worse than carnage stream in the background with no volume, you know, or, yeah. or whatever else. Or if it's a match that only, like, 10% of the people in the pub are watching and yet the commentary's on, you know, like, so. Mm.
1: And
0: So, Sober Lane is kind of built around the things that I look for, and, have, like, and that, for better, or for worse, has evolved as I have got older. We definitely, it's definitely a tamer place now, you know, like. Yeah. Um, uh, but thankfully, that cohort of my buddies and the wider network of, of customers we have have kind of stayed with us. And then electric was built to directly not, not compete with it, but in the same breath be manageable so that we, um, so that I could manage the two, you know, be in two places at once. It's kind of as close to by location as you get because mm. it's just across the bridge. You know, you can yeah. literally look in the window and out the other. So um, electric is, is, the idea was for the same people but on a different occasion. On a date, bring your folks, you know, uh, corporate bookings. Uh, tourists probably would find harder to find Sober Lane but electrics on a busier street and the near hotels. I suppose what's a massive change for us and maybe more subtle for the customers, but COVID went on for long enough that people's habits have changed. And while they're going to change back, I think they're going to land in a different place. And we also found the opportunity to maybe move the focus of our business to something that was more sustainable for our own lifestyles. You know, so we, we really are about earlier in the, in, the, in the evening. You know, like, so Yeah. if you come into either of these places we're open till half 12 or on Saturday, but really we peak around nine o'clock and yeah. invariably, the people who come to Lane or even electric are going home after at 11 or 12, they're not necessarily going somewhere else. That suits us because on the weekends we're out the gap for two o'clock and on the, on the weekdays we're out the gap for half 12 or one. And as as I've got older, our staff have got older, because thankfully we, we have some staff with us now 10 years, they've got a, you know, a school run in the morning or whatever. So it needs to be um, compatible with that. And it's a big difference between, you know, Six hours sleeping, two hours sleep. You know, and even even the the lifestyles we we come in, we do our work uh, on weekends. They have, the guys sometimes have one drink after work and then they go home. Yeah. And they're welcome to come in the nights off, or if they finish before the you know the chefs invariably very, very finish before the bar. They can all have a drink. But um, if you want to socialize, you kind of go somewhere else. And this is where we work. So it just means that that culture suits a lot of people to come in, do their work, and get home at a reasonable hour not spend, you know, half their wages back over the counter that night. Yeah, yeah. That that then leads into happier, healthier staff who stay on longer. And at the same time, um it means that we aren't really feeling that staff shortage as acutely as other places, which which makes my life easier and means that our customers are dealing with the same staff every week. And sure I think there's there's business out there to be had there later in those evenings, but there's a cost to it, you know, like at on all different levels. But for us, we're we're
1: foregoing that in the in the hope of longevity. So we'll see; time will tell. I'm glad you touched on the the staffing issue because it, no matter what industry people are in at the moment, it appears to be a, a an issue right across the board. And to be retaining staff for ten plus years in the hospitality industry, I would say is probably outside the norm. Would you put that down to obviously, I suppose, the management style, but Your businesses always seem to be evolving. Like, you know, Electric had the fish bar. Now there's been a a massive revamp and it's very much an Asian fusion menu, a really big cocktail menu. So, like, the businesses don't rest in their laurels. There seems to be kind of constantly evolving. Would, would you credit that with kind of keeping things fresh for the staff and stuff and helping with staff retention?
0: Yeah, look, a part of it's selfishness. It, it's keeping it interesting for me and for the staff. And, it, and I think if we're engaged, we're going to, you know, have a better game face and, and put on a better show. And I think, so take Electric. Electric was 10 years maybe odd going into COVID and, and 12 years going on, 13 coming out of it. So we, we did pretty, pretty much the same thing for 10 years. Thankfully, it's been reasonably successful. Very consistent, same people in Friday night, every Friday night, you know, same corporates and once a month, that kind of stuff. But I I felt we were vulnerable. We were doing fish and chips, steaks, the the same things that a lot of other restaurants do. And also, I wouldn't have said we were the best at any one of them. I think we did them reasonably well, and we had a unique setting, and, and we had a great team, but I couldn't unequivocally say, like, this is the best steak in town. This is the best fish and chips. And I, I saw um, a gap in the Asian place in that you have um, you have the, the takeaways and you have some really good traditional restaurants like Sing in Cork. Then you have somebody like Miyazaki. So Maya has a phenomenal takeaway and a Michelin star. And then there's just mm-hmm. this massive gap in the middle. There's mm-hmm. some lovely sushi places like Dashi and Maki that are takeaway, but there was nowhere in Cork where you could go for sushi and a cocktail. There mm-hmm. was nowhere that I know that you could have a Wagyu steak. Even, for example, where Wagamama closed, they would have had a lot of really good uh, staples like a katsu curry uh, and I was there for 10 years and people were consistently going for it and I kind of felt that gap hadn't been filled um, and it's, it's complimentary to cocktails it's complimentary to all ages it's interesting for older diners it's funky enough for kids it's a nice yeah. setting for a date except for corporates so um, and again w- while it's I would not say it's a booze environment but it's very much conducive to having a drink it's also a place where you can come just about the food and I think as lifestyles change People will still drink, but I just think that uh, they're drinking probably not as much. Is the answer yeah. like you know? And I, but I think you know, people don't need to drink every day. but They do need to eat every day. No, you don't yeah. need to go out and have wagyu steak every day. But that tends to be how people go on dates, celebrate birthdays. You know, people of all ages. Yeah, it's an okay. A, yeah, and and if you're on a health kick, you can still go out. If you're on a budget, you probably still go out to eat, but you might just not have the fifteen Jager bombs after. And also, it's funny. Like this is maybe maybe overthinking things but um like I'm glad I wasn't in the cigarette business when the smoking ban came in mm-hmm. and in the same breath while well, we I'm very much in the the drinks business with Consent spirits that's a business with a wider focus i.e. global you know like we export to different markets and you kind of never know what way um so there's a, there's a, an election there's a change of of government and suddenly you have somebody who comes in who had say Michal Martin's attitude to smoking back then they have that attitude to alcohol for whatever reason. And mm-hmm. suddenly taxation goes up, um, or there's a change in, in attitudes to. And I just feel that if you're if you have a good food offering, you're probably less vulnerable to that. Um, I know I had a friend and he opened a pizza restaurant just at the same time that the Atkins diet, it was the Atkins or Paleo, one of them became big. And, and well, they did lots of other things, excellent salads and, and things like that. They were past they were known as a pizza place, and pizza kind of came became a bad word for a while, you know. Mm. Just just on that that six months and then you kind of miss your opening buzz and then it just kind of yeah. didn't really work out you know so um
1: momentum still, is so important in launching a yeah, business you don't get just the...
0: try to scan for those risks and identify them and, and mitigate them as much as you can
1: you entered drinks distribution and 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 distilling a couple of years ago with kinsale gin you've branched off into whiskey I've obviously followed that online and um, your social media channels, and I've seen exports to America, exports to China. It must be really exciting to see a business that can operate on a global scale and obviously as successful and as electric and soberly have been. And um, I suppose they're on a, a you know a kind of a a cork uh, yeah. local level. What kind of a kick do you get um, seeing? x amount of boxes of kinsale gin being exported to china or america for example it, is it a total different buzz and it, it's, it, it's
0: a good buzz but, and it, it it's it's really at a very exciting stage at the moment but uh, the i am um, thankfully doesn't have enough but again i have a friend who was a bar in dublin very busy bar and suddenly roadworks happened outside their building the lewis went on for okay. two years decimated his business and then. Um, but a bricks and mortar business, okay, Deliveroo and that kind of has become a thing. But still, there's limited room for innovation in that, you know, you're limited what you can sell online, uh, you, even if we did all try and challenge that during the last two years. But um you, you're dependent on people to come to you or within your proximity. And um, as I said, if, if something, you know, local or regional happens, snow day, you're wiped out, or there's a, you know, people say not to come to town for whatever reason, to protest on, or um, so you're kind of, I found a bit hamstrung with that. And I I have tried other industries with, with varying degrees of success, but not much success, to be honest. I, I just find enough the skills of them. So I, I said, okay, hospitality and kind of that wider drinks business, I'm going to try and stick to, to that. So anything that involves alcohol or food or food delivery, I'll try all those things, but try and stick within that parameter. So a friend of mine asked me, he was setting up a uh, consulting with his sister um, and said, you know, would you like to be um, involved? And uh, Tom Reardon is his name, Claude as a sister. So we gave him my first job in a bar way back and we became friends after. Uh, and it just really interests me, the idea of, of firstly, I, I thought, okay, this is, you know, I probably won't, I've never really had much experience in manufacturing, so that interests me greatly, but also the ability to um, export and sell anywhere. So regardless of what's going on, on Mall or Sullivan's Key in Cork, the ability to try and sell the product anywhere. That really appealed to me. And we're just kind of getting to that stage now. We are at a trade show called Provoin in Dusseldorf. Uh, what is, sorry, n- next week, anyway. And um, we were meeting a number of customers for the first time. We're meeting two of our staff members for the first time, which is bizarre. People working Whoa. for one of for two years. Yeah. Starting <laughs> COVID. Um, so um, we're meeting people from Finland, uh, from Germany, obviously. Uh, people from China, people from the States. Um, so that's very... There are people who we have been either want to sell to or have already sold to and um it's just a very different buzz, a very different challenge and opportunity to the bars. So yeah, it's it's it is exciting.
1: How do you find managing businesses that are different insofar as I suppose their demands on you? Like you can hop in, you don't even I suppose you can you can probably walk in town actually. Like you can walk yeah. in from your house to Lane or Electric. But like how do you deal with you know something going wrong with a container heading for the States. Uh, it must pull on your management capabilities and styles in very different manners, I would imagine. And
0: it's funny. I um, So I, I opened a sober lane in Dublin and personally, as well as personally, I found it very challenging not being able to be there uh, yes. or when I was there not being able to be, And I found that hospitality is a business. Well, you don't need to be there all the time. You kind of need to be nearby or around. And not, uh, we're lucky, a very good team So it's really not for any particular crisis, but I feel I'm just so I would be involved in decisions like changing menus and, you know, what kind of music style we're going to do and what days will open. And I think that you need to be in the business fairly consistently to have a good feel for what your customers want or aren't having. or You know, you can look at all the reports in the world and say, okay we're not selling desserts. But what is the reason for that? Is it because Mm -hmm. we're kind of cleaning up the tables around customers after the main course and not encouraging it or not allowing people to have enough booking times. I think you you need to be there to kind of absorb that information almost through osmosis. Whereas what I like about the spirits business is um, a lot of it is remote. Uh, and look, sometimes there is pulling and dragging and sometimes there's also fun things like, so the first time we sent a container to China, the Port of Cork are very supportive about facilitating it go down for kind of photo shoots and basically just suppose for us, we just wanted to, you know, see it. The container could be full of anything, uh, yeah. as far as winter, but we knew our product was in it. We got saw it lifted onto the boat, and then you can follow it on maps. So you can see, you know, it going across when it lands in Shenzhen or wherever the port is. So yeah, I, I know it's funny you say logistics, like logistics has been a whole new world. Uh, I have two partners in the spirits business, Tom is one, Colin is the other. And uh, Colin is extremely good at that, he's extremely organized. Could it scanning the horizon for potential risks um, and mitigating them? But to a large extent, that stuff is is just outside your control. Um, Mm. So we we mitigate them. So, for example, um, invariably for international customers, nothing leaves our warehouse until we get paid for it in advance. And that means we probably say no to more than half the export uh, inquiries we get because they're looking for credit out of the traps. But it's not worth it for us if... um, you know, if they don't pay. So we see them as opportunities. And and if they want the product, they'll pay for it. And then you build up a relationship with people over time and you can explore, you know, trade insurance and stuff. But so you you kind of mitigate those things. We um, use logistics partners that we're comfortable and have a track record. So they're not always the cheapest, but we know they will get there. The bottles won't be broken, that kind of stuff. Um, Similarly, we get our bottles from Italy. Uh, We have looked for a long time at getting them from China and they're certainly cheaper. But in the same breath, we've we've been to the bottom factories in Italy. Similar they have a rep who covers Ireland UK. We meet the guy, we say, look, we're not happy about this, you can help us with that. You still get to have some chance of that face to face. Are you know, it just feels that it's even if we never went to Italy, it feels like if you if you could, you know, if you had to, you could. Whereas China for me may as well be the moon. You know, it's a very hard. Well, I'm fascinated and I'm really enjoying doing business there. It's going quite well for us. Um it's a, it's a whole other set of challenges that you really are kind of powerless to, to mitigate, you
1: know? I, I remember actually speaking to you a couple of years ago and you were saying that soberly in Dublin, you just felt burnt out because you were literally hopping on the train up, back down, up again, back down, and it just wasn't working out. They say it's a, it's a good sign of a, an entrepreneur when you can park your ego and know when to walk away. Has has ego ever got involved in business for you where you've kind of doubled down and said, no, 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 I can definitely make this work? Or have you always been able to say, look, I've tried it, it hasn't worked, it's time to move on?
0: It's funny, I am... I, um, soberly in Dublin was an extremely hard experience and an, ex- an expensive one and also a, a very good learning curve. Um, So I, you know... As regards, faraway hills aren't green, always green. And also, um, just because something works in one place doesn't mean it will work somewhere else. It really was, I thought, a beautiful pub. I loved the location. I lived behind it for a year, so I moved up to give it every chance. We put a lot of thought into it. And I just got the offering completely wrong. I just misjudged the neighbourhood, misjudged where Dublin was, you know, um, kind of offering-wise, um, uh, underestimated the competition. and. I was probably about a year in before I realized that, you know, um, kind of kept waiting for us to be discovered and then just realized it wasn't. And then I said, okay, let me try and come up with something else. So we arrived at a decision where we could do a facelift and uh, I felt it was a very good location for a gastropub slash restaurant. And I said, okay, at the same time, we're looking to buy another pub in Dublin. And there was two things. One, an auctioneer approached us and said, if you, he said, look, I, I can see that the place isn't maybe going as well as you hoped. I think that uh, I could sell this and get your money back and maybe more. So that gave me a lifeline. And also, if I bought another pub in Dublin or, um, you know, if we stayed up there, myself, my wife, were also open, to start a family at that stage. So I like, like, ultimately, I want to get back to Cork and the decisions I'm making are not, you know, are pulling me up here for longer. Mm. Um, so I said to the auctioneer, look, if you can achieve this price and I can get out of with my tail between my legs, uh, I'll take it. So then that's what we did. And it happened fairly quickly. You, you could ask me, do I have an ego? And I'd say no. The same, Brett, I'd say that was fairly bruising. I definitely appreciated Cork a lot more when I came back. I like Dublin and that. We, we sell a lot of gin up there. Increasingly the amount of whiskey, but particularly a lot of gin. I still like doing business there. And, and I, I love it as a city.
1: I usually ask guests their best and worst financial decision. So would, would we say that Lane, Dublin was your worst? Oh, oh, I
0: would think it probably was. Yeah, it definitely was the most expensive. I was in the nightclub business and it was extremely successful. Uh, and I left that to do Dublin. That was probably more expensive, you know. Like right. I probably would stay more lucrative staying it. No, lifestyle-wise, extremely challenging. We had two, maybe three cracking years, tough to keep that going in a nightclub. It would have been disastrous to be in it during COVID. So, like swings and roundabouts, you know, um, when I was in in, in Soberland, Dublin, I should have the nightclub business. And then if you ask me in the middle of COVID, I was saying, oh, thank God, I'm not in the nightclub business. So so when you ask that question, it's relevant. But yeah, I, I would say Soberland, Dublin. Um, the, the one other one is we had a, uh, a recruitment business um, specialising in hospitality and we went a good bit down the way of building an app. I'm going to say Tinder for employment, which sounds all kinds of wrong. But the <laughs> idea where you would it would give you an overview of a candidate and a job. And they, if they matched, they would agree to share more details, no commitment. I, I thought that LinkedIn is probably a bit formal for people more with more, you know, uh, first jobs and, and casual employment, stuff like that. And yeah. I, this now has come back Oh, seven years ago, maybe 2015 or something like that. Uh, I felt I probably should have stayed the course with that, uh, but I didn't have the money to, to keep it going because it's over in Dublin. So uh, but that's one I kind of feel oh, I probably should have s- come up with some way to stick at that uh, I suppose maybe we're talking about the biggest missed opportunities more than the more expensive things but uh yeah good question good
1: question best financial decision
0: Pro- probably sober lane a mere 16 years it's been extremely enjoyable has been fairly consistent been a good old earner um we did our first proper real refurbishment of the place uh, during COVID. So you know, like pubs would last three to five years usually. So getting fifteen years out of it was as good. Um, so yeah, I would think uh, I would think Lane probably. I, I could I could be prudent and say my uh, engagement ring or something like that. That was the best. <laughs> uh, but um, my wife, um, she's involved in the businesses, and that were a partnership and. She owns half of them, but she's not involved in the day-to-day side of it. Um, she's a speech-language therapist and, and greatly enjoys that. And I think, you know, having separate careers is easier sometimes for home life. You know, you have mm-hmm. things to talk about when you get home in the same breath because she's not as absorbed in them as I am. So she's a very rational sounding board and is capable of not being as emotionally committed as I am. So there are opportunities that I would like to chase. Are, are things that aren't working out and I might be slow to recognize it. And she's a good person to say, look, you know, we've tried this for three months. It's still not making money or it's, you're still not enjoying it or whatever. So like, what is the purpose of continuing this? Are, are you sure, you know, like, are you giving this up to whatever? So that sounding board has definitely been invaluable as well. Uh, and I think everybody needs one, whatever that can be a friend, a, a business mentor, a financial advisor like yourself, John, anyone that you uh, trust, um is a really invaluable um support because it like look you know you're self-employed and i know you come from a self-employed background as do i which is how we probably ended up in this thing better or worse you know it's kind yeah. of what we 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 know so we, we do it and um, it's it's hugely rewarding and hugely challenging uh so having somebody that like a, a sounding board is um is invaluable like you know
1: yeah, no, I I would 100 percent agree with that. I think that uh, there there are as as many rewards as challenges working for yourself. And um, but ultimately, when you're creating something that you know is your vision or you know is your brainchild, it's it's intangible. The the sense of I, I suppose of pride or achievement or um, that's a buzz. It's just a yeah, buzz. Very satisfying. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely what are the plans going forward for the business? Like, would you, obviously, there is, I suppose, a significant growth potential for your spirits company. Um, I think I, I read recently that, is it tequila is the fastest growing spirit in the world? Tequila is an
0: interesting one. Um, We're not really exposed in Europe or Ireland in particular, um, with the exception of Patron, I suppose, which is a really interesting brand, but... Um, we, I, I would, I would have a look at all those sectors. It's um, funny. Uh, rum would be another one. So if you ask somebody to drink rum, they could, nah, I never drink rum. What's your favorite cocktail? Oh, mojito. I'd have one every Saturday night. Yeah. But, you know, like and it, that's fair enough. You know, like that's a, uh, and, and it's been like margaritas with tequilas and stuff. Um, like tequila in Ireland, Europe, seen as a form of punishment. You know, like if somebody buys you a tequila, like oh my god, <laughs> yeah,
1: they mustn't, they mustn't like
0: it. Yeah, but you know, I suppose what you, if you don't spend much time in the States, you probably don't realise that there is such a Mexican, Hispanic, Latino yeah. influence yeah. and population there. So it's a bit skewed, yeah. but um, thankfully gin is growing in the right markets in that uh, while Ireland, to some extent, the UK definitely is, for example, is saturated with gin. It, it really is just catching on. It, like the gin craze that has matured now here is only starting off in a lot of cities in the States. Um, and so that that presents an opportunity for us. Also Irish whiskey, and, um, if for I've probably this year or next year we'll overtake scotch for the first time in the U.S. for sales since before Prohibition so we're lucky we're in, we're in good strong categories and also because Irish whiskey is success, so successful then people are looking at other Irish spirits so then that kind of helps Irish gin for example in the back door obviously we have different skews and different size bottles but we've won one main gin that's consil gin in, in Ireland and Europe and it's Summer Cove concealed gin in in the US and with the States, um, we have, uh, we have three whiskies in Ireland, but we're soon to be five in the in the States. So we've come up with um, a brand for, for just there and be launching shortly. So thankfully there is lots going on. Uh, China then is the other, I'd say it's focused because we've put a lot of work into China with reasonable results, with huge potential, whereas we didn't put a huge amount of work in South Africa. We launched there on Patrick's Day, this year and it's going very well. Um, South Africa is, is a very big emerging market for Irish whiskey um, and Nigeria is close behind it. So it's a very interesting one, but China is 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 one that is hard work, but I'm very curious about it. Cork is twinned with Shanghai, which means there's very strong uh, connections between the two and um, kind of more than you would realize unless you went kind of digging at it. So there's lots of support there and people willing to help and do introductions. So um, I find that very interesting. But the U.S., Primarily is our, our focus. And I think that, you know, there's enough there to tie us up for the next hundred years. And, um, you know, different markets. Uh, and the, like you're talking about 50 states, which really are 50 different countries, like different laws in each different consumer patterns, yeah. different pricings. Yeah. So it, um, it's a very, uh, it's interesting and, and challenging at the same time. So I think that that, um, yeah, that's going to keep us busy. I hope, you know, we're, we're in, we're, on paper we're probably in 10 or 11 states but actively selling and growing like in other words having consistent repeat orders in six states um california colorado texas new jersey new york florida and and rhode island is getting there so seven so that that's nice to it's only seven states out of 50 but when you take california's 80 million people it's a good you know you're you're probably covering nearly half the population with those with those states so um yeah, even if we just stick plugging away the there, and it's funny, the temptation is to is to say, let's get another, you know, let's scratch another state off the map. But really, mm. like when I say we're in Florida, we're probably in maybe twenty liquor stores in Florida, twenty of two thousand. You know, like so. So why would you look at at another state when there's yeah, so much potential left there. Yeah, so it's um, yeah, that that's what's going to keep me and us occupied for the next five years, ten years, hopefully.
1: Excellent. I'm going to put you slightly on the spot now and ask you a question that some people get kind of stumped on. In 10 words or less, can you give me your blueprint for a successful life encompassing family, career, job, money? And is there any kind of a, a mantra or a kind of a, you know, a saying that you kind of say, if I stick to this principle, I, I think, will be pretty okay.
0: Yeah, I've I, I been mean, asked that question before I've been asked something like it, and um, uh, the answer that I've used is it's nice to be nice, which I know can sound very naive, and again, maybe cliche, but it's something that uh, a number of people told me over the years, and look, I'm no angel, but I have tried within reason to stick to that, and it has mm-hmm. has paid off. I, I have found that like people have been good to me in business and in life and it and i try and pass that on and it it makes um cork is small look Sabrina is smaller so you know right mm-hmm. it's easier to get on with people you know like yeah. not everyone is the best fit to do business with or whatever else but in general you know if you treat people well it tends to be reciprocated i wouldn't be a religious person but i would believe in karma you know and i think if you're kind of if you're doing your best and you're kind of you know leaving a bit for the next guy and uh I, th- I think it's a, it's just a, when you're making a decision, like say, like, is this reasonable and fair? Is everybody winning out of this? You know, am I being stubborn or greedy or is there an ego? Like, is there a way to be nice about this? The Pendulum Summit uh, was on whatever last week, Frank Sheen's Phenomenally Successful Business Summit. And I'm sure if I went to, like, there was 20 speakers and all of them would be telling you the opposite.
1: You know, like, mm, dog yeah. eat dog and all
0: yeah, this yeah. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> That's just
1: not but me, yeah, yeah it, it doesn't, everything doesn't have to be a zero-sum game. Like, you know, there, there doesn't it have just, to be, I just don't, you
0: know. And maybe maybe be wealthier, I don't know, more successful. Have a hundred bars if you do that. I can think of nothing worse than having hundred bars. I've there that I love. I have the things that interest me. Um It's funny you said about tequila. I just, I can't get passionate about tequila. I'm not, not interested in it. So, like, geez, it would really want to be a serious opportunity for me to even consider it. You know, like, yeah, just because yeah. I'm just not excited about it. I don't know about it. I'd have to go off and study it. I just don't feel of any natural competitive advantage to it. Um, but yeah, it nice to be nice would be, um, would be it. And I, I genuinely don't mean it in a patronizing way. It's not always possible, but in general, it just kind of, it. it's something I guess I, I learned from my dad more than anything else. He's been self-employed for a very long time. He has people working with him over 30, a number of people actually over 30 years with them. So, um, couldn't be that bad,
1: you know. Like yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think that's that's as good a mantra and yeah. um, to live by, and especially in business, and um, when you know challenges are thrown at you. Like, who knew three years ago that the COVID was going to come along and literally stop every business nearly in its in its tracks? So to have a bit of goodwill. It's funny that you, you know, say that? Yeah. Sorry,
0: just sorry for interrupting. Uh, we decided to close. Whatever. Just before Patrick's day, in 2020. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So talked to all the employees. Said, "Look, I don't know what's going to happen. I'll keep you informed." Wrong. All the employer or the suppliers. They said, "Look, I don't know," and they said, "Let us know when you know." And that was it. And genuinely, not one put us under any pressure. No. Mm-hmm. Maybe that was across the board. I only have my experience. Um, but it made made it genuinely less stressful. And I knew mm-hmm. from being on the other side of it, like I didn't know what was coming next. But at least I could be up front of them and say, "Look." I, I don't know when we're going to reopen, you know, like, uh, so I, you know, don't be depending on orders from us or I gave mm-hmm. them as much information as I could stay in touch. And maybe that's, I suppose, not be nice, but it's being upfront with them. And then um, instead of not answering the calls or, you know, yeah, you might check is in the post and then um, you and handle things in a kind of, uh, we've all the same. Manner. Now. We've, we've yeah. supported us all the way through. Uh, we're extremely generous and patient and, and we're now still all doing business together. So it's, um, they were, I, I was on the receiving end of the, it's nice to be nice at a time when I have no doubt they were under phenomenal pressure because there's no way that everyone was treating everyone like that, you know, so it's, it's well, I put a mantra for me. It's a mantra that I'm, I hope that everybody uses with me as well
1: because it just makes life that bit easier. For sure. For sure. Well, Ernest, I want to thank you uh, very much for agreeing to this podcast with um, <laughs> the amount of businesses that you're involved in and, a, a newborn along with two other um, children at easy. home, it's uh, it's not easy. So you certainly have been nice to me since I've known you and I always enjoy talking to you. I genuinely think that you're as good an entrepreneur that Cork has produced in many a year because you're constantly evolving, constantly looking at new avenues and aren't afraid that if things aren't working out to walk away which i think are all really really good um competencies that any entrepreneur has to has to have thank you very much thanks very much appreciate it thank you all for listening i really hope you enjoyed the episode for more information about me john O'Driscoll, and my day job as a financial advisor please visit blueprintfp.ie. for more information on the podcast or to listen to other episodes please visit the-blueprint.ie. Catch you all in the next episode. Take care.